morning, everyone. The friends, the color of my vestment should be an alert to you. Something is changing. So, uh, this Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Lent, is the card. Rejoice Sunday. It means we're that much closer than to the celebration of the Paschal Feast of Easter. Friends, our first reading um, is an account uh, from Chronicles, uh, really about uh, God's love and mercy, but it shows how mean-spirited the people were towards the one person who loved them entirely and completely, God. Did everything for them. And this is how they repay his kindness and love. And we're told in, uh, the, in the account in Numbers, found in Numbers, that uh, from the exit to the beginning, they began to grumble because they didn't like the food, they didn't like the heat, they didn't like the sand. So in other words, they didn't like the way things were going. It was not according to what they wanted. And yet, everything was as God had prepared it to be. Our second reading, Paul speaks about the great gift given to us. And in our Gospel reading from John, we have an account of a religious leader who comes under the cover of night, out of fear, and out of perhaps shame, he comes to Jesus. And Jesus recounts salvation history for him, the religious leader. Not to condemn him, but to inspire hope in his heart. From our readings from Chronicles, we hear again about uh, the people of God uh, and uh, their lack of trust and confidence and faith in God. And we might ask, why did God allow the ancient Israelites, the Jews, to return to Jerusalem after their exile, after they had acted so horribly, not only towards God, but they were grumbling to each other and being mean to each other. They had been unfaithful, they were worshipping other gods, they despised God's warnings, uh, they mistreated his prophets over and over again. They were really at heart ungrateful all suffered the consequences of this ungratefulness and the sin. And we see that sin not only damages us, the person, the individual, but it damages the community, for the whole community suffered. The whole community went into exile. And in that exile, they forgot about God. They forgot about His faithfulness and His promises. However, even in the face of all this immense ingratitude and this mean spirit and towards God, God did not give up on the people. God sent even more prophets to give them condemnation, no, to inspire hope in their hearts and to woo them back to Him, to restore. And in the right time, as God promised, He would restore them, and He did. God brought them back unworthy as they were, to Jerusalem, and allowed them to rebuild the temple. And the temple, remember, is a symbol of God's presence, and a symbol of the covenant, and a symbol of peace, and a symbol of prosperity to them. My friends, considering all that uh, the wickedness that people had done, and the, the unkindness towards God, why was God so kind? Why was God so reasonable with people? And St. John gives us the answer. 
He says, because God is love. Because God loves. Because God is faithful. Because God is kind. And it is God. And God's mercy does not depend on our worthiness. God does not love us because we are perfect. It is God's love that continually transforms us into perfection. We get it backwards. The scriptures read today from John's Gospel, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. This is the very core of gospel. Remember, gospel means the good news. This is the good news. And really, as we see St. Paul uh, describe uh, the very same thing that John's getting at. And um, St. Paul understood uh, this very truth to the core in his whole Pauline corpus. All of his writings kind of uh, testify to this key truth of Christianity about God's love. And it's unfortunate because uh, it has oftentimes become a sense of tension amongst Christians, in particular Protestants to the Eastern and Roman right, about grace and works and salvation. But uh, if, um, and what Paul is saying uh, is uh, that God loves and his love is so great and it's not contingent upon us that God's love comes first. And what he means when he writes, saved by grace and not by works, he points out that salvation is grace, and the Greek word that he's using has this heavy connotation of lovely gift. So by God's gift of love are we saved. And if we look at that, there, no, there is no tension. We understand uh, more what he's saying. And uh, St. Paul would say that we do not earn salvation. You do not earn God's love. It is free. It's proven over and over and over again. We see it in the first reading. The people, the Israelite people, did nothing. As a matter of fact, they threw God's love back at him. And yet he loved them. Still, my friends, the truth of the matter is that you and I could never, ever say enough prayers to earn salvation. You and I could never live so perfectly as to earn salvation. It's not possible. And if it were, this wouldn't have happened. And this is what Paul's trying to say. We could never say enough prayers or do enough on our own to be able to earn everlasting life. And we certainly do not earn God's love. He loves first. To say we earn it is to say that it depends on us. It does not begin with us. It begins with God. And it does not depend on us. We get it wrong. This very gift, this grace, when we really dissect it 
It is God offering in the very self to us. He's offering us relationship, friendship. This is what he's desired from the beginning. That you be with him. God offers it not to us because we are worthy, but because he is love and because he is generous and he is kind. Recall the words, God who is rich in mercy because of the great love he has for us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, brought us to life in Christ. Now, our part, there is our part. Once we receive his gift of love, we don't throw it back at him like we heard in the first reading. Once we receive his gift of love, his son tells us and teaches us what we are to do, how we are to respond to his gift, to live according to it, to believe in the very name of the Son of God means to live your life like his son, like Jesus. We look to him, he is the supreme example. He is the perfect human, if you will. And he shows us how to go about walking in his ways. He teaches us how to love, like he loves, like the Father loves. Jesus is our role model. And he came to show us the very heart of his father because they didn't understand. And we don't today, some of us, still don't get it. Even though Jesus came and spoke to us about many things, but he spoke to us about the very heart of the father. And to know the heart of a person is to know the person. He spoke about the Father's love and the Father's care and the Father's concern. He shared with us the very wisdom of his Father, the fulfillments of his Father, the promises of his Father, the fidelity of his Father, the everlasting life of his Father. And to possess that is to possess life eternal with him. And it is Jesus who paid the price, the sin debt for us, something we could never have done by dying on the cross. Doing so, then Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, his sacrifice, his prayers, his grace makes us worthy of eternal life. This is the amazing thing about Christianity, is that God becomes one of us in the Incarnation, in His Son, and in doing so, it allows us to become like Him, loving like Him, and living for all time like Him. In spite of our sin and all the evil that humans do to each other and do in this world, God does not reject us or give up on us. He continues to rescue us and renew us because He loves us. 
St. John Paul the Great said this, How precious must man be in the eyes of the Creator if he gained so great a Redeemer, and if God gave his only Son in order that we should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus Christ in his Paschal Mystery has given a dignity to the human person that cannot even be measured. A dignity that cannot be taken away no matter what. And my friends, if you wonder why Mother Church fights so hard for life, it is because it has such great value and preciousness to God. Every bit of it, whether it be one day old in a mother, the unborn, or God's child who is 114, and everyone in the middle, all life is precious and valuable to God. It does not matter if you have cancer, you do not lose your value. It does not matter if you once were bad. In God's eyes, you are precious and have value always. And this is why we fight so hard to protect life, because it has so much value and it's so precious. Do you think Father Mark was perfect or is? He's not. Father Mark ran away from God. No, I'm not going to be a priest just yet. What did God do? Did he condemn me? No, he ran after me, and look at he beat me to the finish line. Because <laughs> look, here I am. And when I felt, no, Lord, I cannot be a priest because I am not worthy and I am not holy. That is when he pointed out you have it backwards. Be with me, and then you will become holy. Not the other way. You and I need to get this and understand this. You already have dignity and value. My friends, and I'm very thankful for medical science, in particular psychological sciences, and there are such things as pathologies and there, uh, there are definitely illnesses that have to be treated, but most of the time when you talk to the psychologist, you know what they're treating? People with low self-esteem. People who don't know their own self-worth. And they prescribe millions of dollars of pills for that. And the irony is, is you already have inherent dignity and value. My friends, do you know what the caduceus is? Caduceus is the medical symbol that we often see. It's a pole and it has snakes on it. It represents healing, medicine. And it's been in use uh, since at least 150 AD. Think about John and what he said. 
Jesus' conversation. You remember Moses put the serpent up on there and said, all who would look at this would be healed. Because the bronze had healing power? No. Because the serpents had healing power? No. Because God said to do it. God's word has power. Remember what happened? Remember the people were grumbling, grumbling, and backbiting everybody. So what happened? It's funny. The snakes came in and started biting them at their feet. You don't see the iron? The very thing that they were doing verbally, the snakes were doing physically to them when they were dying from it. And God said, if you would believe in my word, Moses, put the serpent up there. When they look upon it, they will be healed physically. And Jesus says, ah, talking to Nicodemus, who is afraid and ashamed and everything. And he says, so will the Son of Man be lifted up? And what you don't know is the word that's being used, the verb, lifted up. It's used in numbers, where it was first used. It means exalted. To be exalted. And the reason why John uses that, and it's kind of confounding that numbers, the Old Testament did, is because John sees everything post-resurrection. He sees everything for this. Jesus died on the cross and the resurrection, you can't separate them together. So he sees this as the exaltation of God's Son. We see suffering and pain, John says, ah, but it is the exaltation. And Jesus says, when I am lifted up, this way, and you gaze upon me, you will have healing of the body, oh no, of your very soul. I will heal you and give you life eternal. You see the irony in it? Medicine uses that symbol. And there's even one symbol of it that has angel's wings on it. Now I want you, whenever you see the caduceus, not just see the doctor who writes you the prescription, but the remedy that you are absolutely precious to the Father. So precious that he sent his son to die for you. Know this value. If we did, we would act so much differently. And there is nothing that this world can do to you to change that. And even when we act our worst, God still loves us. And your value is still the same to Him. But He wants you to act differently. And one of our saints, St. Peter Chrysologus, known as the Golden Tongue Bishop, because of his homilies and the great words, he had this to say. Why do you have so low an opinion of yourself when you are so precious to God? Why do you so dishonor yourself when you are so honored by your Creator? God loves each of us very personally, very active, unconditionally, and unlimited. And His Son's passion and death proves it. We have reason to be joyful that God loves us so much, he held nothing back, not even his son. And through his son's sacrifice, we have been given a dignity and a value that can never be taken from us. 
But I warn you, by your behavior and action, you are able to give it away to Satan, who would love to devour it or sift it. So don't. Stop it. Walk in the ways of Christ. Love as he loves. Believe. And you will have life eternal. And this is the great thing about John's Gospel and why I just am so fascinated by John. That you certainly have to have command of the Old Testament because you have so much imagery from it. But in John's Gospel, in his way of thinking, his theology, God does not condemn anyone. It is we who condemn ourselves when we fail to accept God's Son and to believe in Him. And to believe means to change, to live our lives that way. Or as John puts it, that John has a theme of light and dark. He says, walk in the light, live in the light, act as children of the light. My friends, I think about it, six, seven, eight, nine years of theology, study. John captures it quickly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he sent him not to condemn, but to save. And anyone who would believe in him might have eternal life. Ten minutes. But Father Martin to school for eight years. <laughs> but such is the way of the world, right? You, you, I needed that. I needed a year to study. And I will continue to study. But each one of us must come to that understanding. This is what I mean, that sometimes we don't understand the Father's heart still, who He really is. He does not chase after you to condemn you. He chases after you because you are His beloved. And He loves you. There's a huge difference. If you believe that God is chasing after you to kill you, no wonder you are running. But if you fully understand that He pursues you because He loves you and wants to give you the gift of eternal life, He will stop your running and turn around and face Him and run to Him. The way children run to Mommy and Daddy. Amen? My friends, you are loved by God and you are precious. God loves you. As your pastor, I love you, but I do so imperfectly because I am not perfect. But I continue to work on that. Let us work on that with each other too. Amen?